Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy. I'm here with my first cup of coffee, which is delicious. <laughs> uh, today is Thursday, October 31st, Halloween. I am not in costume today, but I am wearing my uh, Day of the Dead shirt, Dio de los Muertos. Thanks. I don't plan to go much of anywhere today except to yin yoga this afternoon, which I doubt anyone will come to yoga in costume. <laughs> no, I haven't done costumes in so long. Maybe I should get back into it. I used to love coming up with Halloween costumes, and now I have opportunities to do cosplay at conventions, so I should consider doing that. It's, um, I don't know, would maybe be a fun creative effort for me, a non-monetized effort, right? Um, it always feels like too much effort to me that I could be spending on other stuff. The people who get seriously into cosplay, I mean, these people are incredible what they do. And they definitely... Um, spend a lot of time and I suspect a lot of money on those costumes. So cool, but um, I don't know. I always feel like my days are so full as it is. I don't know what I do with all of my time. I write books. <laughs> that seems to take up a lot. So I... Um, posted yesterday to the blog about some reactions to uh, El Penelope's podcast of this week. Her theme is Making an Impact. And she talked about a number of different things on that podcast, which I listened to on um, Tuesday as I was out running errands. I'm kind of thinking about what I want to reiterate. <laughs> um, I don't know if many people both listen to this podcast and read the blog. If you do, sorry. Sorry if you're getting these things twice. But I think it's worthwhile actually trying to hit both venues. Because I think a lot of people either read or listen. Uh, one thing that I can address was... Leslie was talking about some of the remarks I'd made on pantsing, my tweet about teaching pantsing. And so I suppose I really should lead with that, is that I am going to, for the month of November, which is National Novel Writing Month, NaNoWriMo, I am going to post a daily podcast with a tip on pantsing your NaNoWriMo novel. I'm really going <laughs> to try to do this every day, podcasting every day. I should be able to, even if it's a very short podcast. We shall see how this goes. But I'm really going to attempt to say something useful about moving forward in pantsing a novel each day. And I'm going to collect these and see if I can put them together in a course. Because Leslie said, and she's not the only person to have pointed this out, that one reason why there are so many classes to teach 
plotting and story planning is because it's infinitely more teachable than teaching someone how to pants. And and I'm just reconciling myself to using the term pantsing because it's the one that people are most familiar with. But I think what I can teach so far as pantsing is it's really about learning to trust your creative self. It's about taking that leap of faith. So we will see. This will be a test. If I can come up with different things to say, or at least what I'm trying to think of the word I want, maybe not completely new and different each day, but at least additive in some way on helping people to pants their way through a work. Um, A lot of it's going to be about trusting yourself. Um, And Leslie herself said that she is a plantster, (laughs) which I think is a funny term too, which would be somewhere between a plotter and a pantser. Uh, You know, it's, I, I really do think that most authors are on the spectrum somewhere that we all do some degree of planning ahead and some degree of letting the creative flow change things as we go. Um, Even Dorinda, who does her, Dorinda Jones, who does her um, incredibly detailed outline, she spends months writing her, you know, 100-page outline that includes dialogue and stuff, and she says that things still change as she writes it. I don't know if I know of anybody who writes exactly what they outline. There's probably some out there. As for myself, I can answer Leslie's question where she said she didn't know if anyone really um, completely pantsed a novel. I really do. I mean, people will express doubt about this and they will say, but surely you know how it's going to end. And that's not true. I very often, in fact, rarely do I know how the book is going to end. And I've had people say, well, but you know that there's going to be a happy ever after. And it's like, yeah, but that's just the romance arc. I know that the romance will end up happily, but I don't really know what's going to happen with, say, the fantasy arc, how the political events are going to resolve themselves, how they're going to get themselves out of trouble. Uh, a lot of people who've talked to me about their process, and and I'm going to pause here and say that the most important thing is to own your process. The most important thing is to own your process. Let us emphasize that. Find out what your process is and do that. And and so that would be part of my pantsing classes that I, I want, or my pantsing advice is that I want people to um, find out if that works for them. And if it does, be proud. Don't, don't feel like you need to learn how to pre-plot or how to outline. But yeah... A lot of people who say, well, that they figure out the story as they go, but they kind of have an idea of where where they're starting and what their destination is. And I just don't always know the destination. Um, I'm trying to think of a book where I knew how it ended. 
that I've written, I usually have a vague idea. Sometimes I will suspect that a thing is going to happen. A lot of times it's a thing I don't necessarily want to happen. And as I write the story, I keep thinking, oh, this thing is going to happen, isn't it? Um, like the end of the, of the Mark of the Tala, which I feel like has been out long enough that I'm not spoiling anything. But if you haven't read that and you think you might and you don't want to know the ending, um, skip ahead like a minute <laughs> or cover your ears or something. But anyway, at, at the end of the Mark of the Tala, um, Hugh dies. And, and people have said to me, I cannot believe that you killed Prince Charming. I'm like, I know. I didn't, uh, I thought maybe that was going to happen. I kept having this bad feeling about it. Just like my heroine, Andy, who's the POV character of that story, she keeps having a bad feeling, only she thinks that it's going to be someone else. Okay, so now it's safe. Um, I don't know these things until I actually get there. Um, I really do just open the page in the morning, open the document, and I start writing. And I don't know what the scene is going to be. Um, I really don't know anything at all. I just sort of open open the document and open the window and let the the story slide in. And so that's what I'm going to try to teach. We'll see how that goes. Uh, for those of you not interested in NaNoWriMo or the pantsing process or writing at all, who are here for, say, Cats and New Mexico weather, bless you all, I love you. <laughs> um I, I'm only going to do that for the first few minutes. And some of those podcasts may be only that, only a few minutes of talking about that process. So no worries that um, it's just going to be that all month. It won't. It'll be my usual brilliant combination of um, commute podcasts, cat wrangling, discussions of the weather, uh, long tangents into various thoughts on living a creative life or trying to live a worthwhile life in many cases. So then the other thing I wanted to talk about, and this is what I posted to the blog yesterday, uh, was that Leslie had talked about being at a conference and being on some fantasy pantle, panels, panels, I don't know what those would be, pantalets, um, uh, she was at this conference, and she already talked about this in her podcast, so I know I'm not blabbing. She pre-blabbed um, that she was at Capclave, which is a storied conference. It really is an old-school science fiction fantasy conference. And she was on some panels, and there were a few things that people discussed on the panels um, that had startled her. And Leslie is, is really a newer generation fantasy author. And she writes um, very similar fantasy to mine. She writes kind of epic fantasy with political change and romance. But she is... 
she talks about this in her podcast too, that she doesn't really come out of this, um, out of the fantasy canon. And I think I don't so much also. And some of this is because even though I've been reading science fiction and fantasy my whole life, I think it's because I'm, I'm a woman and I got bored to tears by the boy fantasy where the women are just there as sort of these um, props. <laughs> and I didn't have the language for that when I was younger. It was only when I got older that I realized what it was. But I, you know, I loved Anne McCaffrey because there were female characters who were interesting and who went out and did things besides you know, wait to be rescued and cling to the hero. And I'm going to stop there for a moment and say that I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with um, a woman being rescued by the hero. I know some people say, oh, they don't want to see that anymore. I don't like it when that's the only thing the woman does. But my romance heart absolutely loves a good rescue. I think that uh, having the hero come in and rescue the heroine from dire circumstances is one of the most awesome, um, swooningly romantic things that there is. And I will die on that hill. That said, you know, I remember a friend of mine suggesting that I read Robert Jordan. And I know a lot of people love Robert Jordan. You know, rock on with the Robert Jordan and with, uh, who was it? Was it Brendan Sanderson, who finished Robert Jordan's last book, you know, and pretty much built his career on that, and now writes very much the same thing. I mean, I just think of it as like white boy fantasy. And my friend who suggested I read it was a white boy, one I loved. You know, I was he was a very good friend of mine and sometime lover of mine, and we got along in many ways. And but uh, God, I read that first Wheel of Time book, and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> This is all just sort of men galloping from one place to another and having fights and, uh, you know, not being able to find the thing and finding the thing and the thing turning out not to be the thing that they really needed. And I just couldn't even. And I have read Tolkien, but like Leslie, I did not read Lord of the Rings until later in life. I read The Hobbit fairly early on when I was like an adolescent. Um, but all of these books, you know, like um, Stephen Donaldson, I read those books as a teenager, but I just didn't get into, and, and I liked Lord of the Rings. I'm not going to say I didn't like Lord of the Rings, but I've only ever read it once. And I know a lot of people who read and reread it and, you know, it does the same thing for me. You know, I mean, there's like, what, two female characters in The Lord of the Rings? I mean, bless Tolkien's heart, you know. I haven't seen the movie. It would be interesting. I, I don't know if I want to see that biopic or not. But it's like, you know, there's even the, the female character. Well, three, right? There's um, Galadriel, of course, who is really kind of like a goddess character, and I'm not sure that she counts. Uh, and then there is the, no, oh, I can't even think of her name, the Fey woman, who, you know, who is sort of the um, 
love interest from, you know, basically serves uh, to be the un unrequited love interest. She has a much bigger role in the movies, <laughs> which is nice, but in the book, she's barely there. And then, of course, there is, uh, oh, what's her name? Is it Eowyn? Who exists entirely for the joke, you know, I, I am no man. I mean, I've, if Tolkien hadn't wanted to have that particular twist in there, I don't think he would have had her character. I suppose there's a smattering of other female characters, but, you know, few of them even have lines, much less any kind of major role. And the, you know, the, the brotherhood of the ring, you know, they're, they're all males. They're all, you know, guys going out on the journey. So anyway, one of the things that had been said on this panel, lest I digress too far, <laughs> was that, um, I and I, I'm reporting this, you know, now secondhand, but that the ideal hero or the standard hero is a young man for good reasons because um, women and older and younger men have other things to do. Whereas, like, there's some idea that the young man has nothing better to do than go out and, I don't know, find new territory like he's a adolescent male lion <laughs> out being kicked out of his pride's territory and going out to establish his own harem somewhere else. You know, it's a very animalistic view. And it's just, it's just bullshit. <laughs> I'm sorry, I think it's bullshit. Uh, and it's, it's one of those self-reinforcing biases, too, this idea that, um, you know, like that women are just too busy cooking and cleaning and watching the kids to go do anything else. And because they are doing all the cooking and cleaning and watching of the kids, then they can't go do anything else. So it just becomes this cycle. I, I enjoy having my heroines drag their children along because, you know, that's what you do. <laughs> um. And then the other aspect was, is that somebody had said, and apparently on more than one panel where they had said that fantasy was an inherently conservative genre. And I was driving on my way to someplace and Leslie is saying this in her podcast and I'm going, what? What? I'd never heard that before. And she said that nobody challenged it. And she thought, well, maybe she didn't know that. And it's like, well... Maybe these certain styles, this epic fantasy written by these white guys with tinges of misogyny. Um, and I feel like I'm being light with that. You know, there have been a number of things pointed out, very smart things pointed out about how women are treated in this sort of style. And I just think it's it's crazy to say that a genre is inherently conservative. It's, how can something like that be inherently conservative? You know, and I suppose it's put in contrast to science fiction, which is about growth and change. But fantasy doesn't have to be this quasi-medieval farm boy goes on a quest Tolkien-esque Brotherhood of the Rings fantasy. That is one kind of fantasy. And there are tons of fantasies out there that are um, 
not, not like that at all. And we sometimes argue about, you know, like Emma Caffrey's Dragon Riders of Pern, is it science fiction or fantasy? You know, and some people could say, well, it's science fiction because it takes place on essentially a colony world that humans have arrived to via spaceship. But really everything else about it is fantasy. It's, it's, um, it's about essentially magical things, um, teleportation, mind magic, dragons, even though the foundation is science fiction. I think it's definitely fantasy. But it's not Wheel of Time, Lord of the Rings fantasy, right? But what about, uh, you know, N.K. Jemison's books, you know, the the fifth season, um, or even The Hundred Thousand Kingdoms? Those are not inherently conservative stories, and she is not an inherently conservative person. I think that fantasy, in many ways, looks at political systems and worlds and social change, both on a political level and on a personal level, in profound and important ways. So I would love to be on this panel um, if you guys want to hear me rant and rave in person, then put me on one of these panels and have someone tell me that the ideal hero is a young man and that fantasy is an inherently conservative genre. Let's just see what happens. All right, so now I'm going to get back to work on The Fate of the Tala. It's coming along pretty well. Do I know how it's going to end? No, I have no idea. Do I know what I'm going to write today? Um, I kind of know... On this scene, I'm going to finish out the last little bit of the current scene. What's the chapter after that? I don't know. We will find out. Have a happy Halloween, you all. Uh, the veil is thin, so mind your thoughts. And But communing with the, the dead isn't always a bad thing. Take care. Bye-bye.